Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 17, Islanders Rangers episode. Uh, I am your host, Andrew Gross, on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And we are in the midst of three Ranger Islander games in nine days after these Metropolitan Divisional and uh, Metropolitan Area rivals did not play into January. So uh, kudos to the NHL schedule makers. (laughs) (laughs) And that laugh you hear in the background is my good friend Colin Stevenson, who covers the Rangers for Newsday, who will be joining us as, actually I am joining him as I'm sitting in his living room here. But uh, first, this Ranger-Islander rivalry was renewed, if you want to call it that, with a 6-2 Rangers win on Monday night at Madison Square Garden, which was about as bad as you're going to see the Islanders play. And the teams get back together on Thursday night, at Nassau Coliseum, as well as next Tuesday at the Garden. And here's Brock Nelson with some of his thoughts going into Thursday's game. Yeah, it's a big, uh, it'll be a big game uh, playing these guys uh, first time back to Cali. Um, it should be a fun one, and uh, we all... Well, well, how much are you still going to be smarting from Monday when, when the puck drops on Thursday? Yeah, I, I mean, playing them so many times uh, in, in a short span, you remember, um, you know, we didn't play our best, uh, and they handed it to us, so it... Uh, you, you kind of hang on to that one and, and hopefully use that as field, um, even though you probably shouldn't need it, but I think it just adds to it. And like I said, I, I'm joined by my uh, longtime friend and uh, Newsday teammate, Colin Stevenson. Colin, uh, beautiful house. Thanks for having me. Wow. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, tolerating the fact that I work in my pajamas on my off days. <laughs> but you know what? You know... <laughs> Who's going to see me besides you? Yeah, right. Well, this is... <laughs> if you notice the video me and Colin did the other day, we were uh, we were dressed not in our pajamas, but that would have been weird at Nassau Coliseum. So, uh, Colin, that was your first look at the Islanders this season and, and not a very good look. What did you see out of them Monday? What do you expect on Thursday? Well, you know, I actually watch quite a lot of Islander hockey on, on television because... You know, I do still have uh, interest in them, uh, and um, you know, I have a son who's a huge fan. So, okay. like, it's always on. If I'm not working, that's what we watch. Uh, no, so I've seen them a lot, and and actually, I was I, look. They just didn't play well. Let, yeah. Let's 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 be honest about that. And and uh, you know, I was expecting a team that was structured, and you know, not a team that was going to give up six goals. Um, and I think uh, Varlamov actually kept a minute. You know, for a long, long time, oh, and yeah. then and then eventually he gave up that goal to Adam Fox, and I didn't like that one at all. And, no, no, that was a bad then, one. Uh, and then and then things went south from there. So yeah, I was a little surprised by what I saw. I didn't didn't expect them to to be as loose as they were. I didn't expect the Rangers to dominate possession uh, as much as they did in the in that first period and, and the first part of the second period. Um, and I'm expecting that things will be considerably different uh, tomorrow night. How do you think the Islanders have to contend? To me, one of the things that the Islanders were deficient in in that game was keeping up with the with the Rangers' speed. It wasn't like they were a half step behind the Rangers in that game. It was like they were a step and a half 
to two strides behind the Rangers all game. Well, yeah, I mean the Rangers do have some some really quick players, and and, and uh, you know, listen, they had no answer for Panarin either. Uh, Panarin was a guy who. I don't know. Like he won't admit to like you know having anything special, uh, you know, on his, you know on his mind and and wanting to prove anything. And it is, he has nothing to prove really. I mean, he had the choice. He could have gone to the Islanders. He chose not to. So it's not like, you know, uh, they insulted him in some way. So he would have had nothing to prove against the Islanders. But he just seemed to have a little extra jump that night. And you know, and uh, you know, just some defensive breakdowns there. I mean breakaways and three on twos I mean that's we don't see that a lot in Ranger hockey I mean usually it's coming the other way actually it's the it's the Rangers you know the Rangers if you look at it I think they're they score about as many goals as they allow I mean so they have got the highest scoring defense uh in the league in terms of goals and and points and such but they give up as many as they score so like that's just not what we're used to seeing on on in Rangers games and um I'm I'm gonna guess you know we didn't expect eight goals in that and and I don't expect eight goals uh in, in the next match. Um and, and the other thing that surprised me is the Rangers seem to be more uh interested in playing a physical game than than the Islanders. And, and you know, and the Islanders are a big team, a heavy team and a physical team and I expected that they would do more of the initiating of the of the hitting and such and and it was you know, it was the it was the opposite. It was the Rangers that seemed more interested in, in hitting people and, and, you know, in a couple couple early fights. And I, I don't know to what extent the fights, you know, sparked either team, but uh, but it was indicative of the fact that the Rangers um, wanted to, you know, get the jump on, on being physical. Now, this is going to be the Rangers' first visit to Nassau Coliseum uh, since March 10th, 2015. Yeah. And, and the next season, the Islanders moved to Barclays and we've been over, you know, yeah. the... the, the the kerfuffle that that has turned into, but they kept sending the Rangers to Barclays Center because yeah. they know the Rangers are going right. to sell tickets, and they had trouble doing that at Barclays Center. But now, you know, I think the only Ranger who really has a connection uh, to Nassau Coliseum might be Ryan Strom. I mean, I, I walked into the Rangers' room before Monday's game, and you know, I covered that team a long time, and I was just shocked that how many unfamiliar faces there were to me. I mean, I, I know Henrik Lundqvist, who I didn't see in the room. I, I know Mark Stahl, who I didn't see in the room. Right, right. I talked to Michael Haley um, and, and Chris Kreider, yeah. and really it's it. it's not a lot. Uh, it, does, does going back to the Coliseum, I, I know it probably means something to Strom, but do you think it means anything to these Rangers? No. <laughs> uh, it, it means something to Strom and, and to Adam Fox. Uh, yeah. Adam Fox is, you know, as we, as we know, grew up in Jericho, uh, lifelong Rangers fan. Uh, but but he he went to plenty of games in the in the Coliseum, um, and you know he I think understands more than anybody. You know he and Strom are the are the two that understand more than anybody. You know just exactly what this rivalry means uh, to the people in the area. Uh, and Fox, for sure, I'm sure has buddies who are Islander fans, and I'm sure you know beyond his parents who who go to every home game and and who will go to you know to the island and to and to New Jersey to see him play. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have buddies uh, who will come to the game. And, and and he was saying even after the game that you know growing up he you know he watched lots of Ranger Islander games and he's and he's been to a few in both buildings and and you know it's it's not you know of course it's a great atmosphere and and you know so he he'll be going home i don't know to what extent i mean maybe he'll go go have dinner at his parents house tonight i suppose and 
Um, and and it'll, it'll be interesting for him, and it'll be interesting for Strom. The only other three Rangers who probably have played in, in, in the Coliseum would, would be, you know, Kreider, Stahl, and, and, and Lundqvist. And, I, and we don't even know if Lundqvist is going to play. I, w- I would think he'll probably go back to Gorgiev. Yeah. Um, now, the Rangers, uh, they're in a stretch where three of four games are against right. the uh, the Islanders. The Islanders uh, have a few more games mixed in as they're playing seven and 11 days, which is following a stretch of seven and 12 days. Yeah. So uh, this is, you know, everyone around the Islanders is, is a little bit worn down at this point. The Islanders bounce back from the 6-2, uh, what did I call, beatdown, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the debris of that game. They, yeah. they rebounded nicely on uh, Tuesday night um, against the Detroit Red Wings with an 8-2 win at the Coliseum. And, uh, you know, I don't know, honestly, how much stock I want to put in that because the Red Wings are were an absolute disaster. They, they have the fewest points in the NHL with 27, which... In the middle of January is just yeah. that that's yeah, abysmal. It scored the fewest goals. They've allowed the most goals. Right, it's, their goal yeah, differential is minus eighty one after yeah, that it's game. It's bad. it was bad. So I, it, the the positives you want to take out of that game is it, the Islanders, and we've talked about it ad infinitum on this podcast, are not getting enough scoring and offensive production specifically from their top six. So against the Red Wings, you get Brock Nelson with two goals. You get Josh Bailey. Uh, and Anthony Beauvillier both ending long, long, long right. goal droughts. And, you know, Matthew Barzell has two assists. You got Jordan Eberle with a no third Dobson. goal. No, well, I'm, goal. I'm getting to Noah Dobson <laughs> as we lead in. But, yeah, Noah Dobson gets his uh, first NHL goal. So it, it, it was a good bounce back, but I'll be honest, it, it, it means absolutely nothing without a good performance on Thursday night. And Noah Dobson uh, did talk about what the Islanders want to, wanted to get done on Tuesday and what they do need to get done on Thursday. Yeah, no, we definitely wanted to bounce back after a tough game last night, and it was important to get a good start. And we got that. We got a few goals early, and we just kind of build on that. But obviously it's a, it's a good response, and got to continue building, get ready for a big game Thursday. If you could expand on that, how you know, it, it's a divisional game, but it's also, you know, a quick rematch yeah. against a, a team that gave you one of your bigger beatings. Yeah, season. no, it's kind of it's kind of like a little mini playoff series versus the Rangers. So the next, over the week, we play them three times, and the division's so tight, there's big matchups. So we obviously want to have a response from our game last night and in our own building, so we'll be ready for that one. Yeah, and a very nice moment for Noah Dobson. Obviously, he was joking that that's not the way you draw up your first NHL goal. He's sort of along the right, and he just kind of flips a harmless puck towards the crease. And uh, defenseman, Red Wings defenseman Alex Biega just kind of swats at it with his goal, and it goes right past Calvin Pickard. Um, But you know what? As Noah... Noah said after the game that they all look the same on the score sheet. You know, you grow up dreaming of your first NHL goal. He's going to frame that score sheet. He's He's got the puck, so uh, yeah, good for him. But uh, what did you think of Noah Dobson? I know it it, it was kind of tough to tell on it's Monday. Hard. It's hard to tell. You know, in a, in a game that, first of all, it's, you know, I'm, I'm 
when when we're there in, in, in force, yeah. like you're watching your team and I'm mm-hmm. watching my team and and really, you know, Neil Best is probably the one who's watching yeah. both teams. Um, so I, I really didn't notice that much of Noah Dobson. But again, as I said, I do watch a lot of Islander games. Uh, you know, my son uh, is is a huge fan, and and uh, so it's on all the time. And and um, you know, listen, we're we're excited about uh, young right-handed, offensive-minded defenseman, uh, twenty years old, and and uh, you know, he's he's going to be a good one. Um, you know, it, it appears, and and. Um, you know, I'm looking for, and then we got a lot of ice time last night, and uh, and you know he's he's gonna grow into this. He has he has now the opportunity to play, which he wasn't getting in the first half of the season, um, but injuries have have opened up ice time for him, and and you know that's gonna be good. Look, it's 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 no different than what the Rangers are doing. If you look at the Rangers and how many young guys they have, they have two 21 year old rookie defensemen in in uh, Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, and and a third who they just sent down to to Hartford. Um, yesterday uh, in Libor Hayek, uh, they've got you know Philip Hedl who's 20. They've got uh, Brett Howden who's 21, and of course they've got Kako Capo Kako who's uh, you know is 18. Um, so it's you know you watch these young guys come along, and and you know the 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 hard thing with fans, and I think you know fans really want they want everything now, and and. And sometimes they get a little impatient, and and you have to allow with these young guys that there's a journey there, and and they have to develop, and they have to earn their ice time, and that's one of the things that you know with the Rangers having as many young guys as they do, and the Islanders don't have as many, but with the Rangers having young guys, like I see it all the time, like these kids, you don't just throw them out on the ice and say go ahead and, and play and, and learn and develop that way. That's not the way to do it. They have to earn it. You have to make them earn it, right? So they have to do the right things. They have to they have to learn how to play in their own end. They have to learn how to do the little things. Um, and yeah, you want to give them ice time, but you, you can't just give them ice time and then have them do stupid stuff and, and, and kind of develop bad habits. You want to develop good habits. So you want, to, you want them to earn that ice time. You want to have veteran guys, even if they're not the, the you know, the, the, most well-known veterans in the league. You want to have veteran guys there that they have to beat out to earn time and, and things like that. And, and I think, you know, that probably had something to do with Dobson as well. I mean, he was here, and I know there was, you know, again, I, I know there was some discussion of whether he should go to World Juniors or not since he wasn't playing that much. And, you know, I was of the of the the school of thought that would say that a, a kid like that, no, he's better off playing with the men and staying here. Even if he's not getting on the ice as much as maybe he would like, He's still learning, and you know what's he gonna accomplish going down and playing junior hockey? It's not, it's not gonna help him as far as his development. Everything has to be about the young kids' development, and it's not just throwing them on the ice and, and letting them sink or swim. You have to teach them how to do stuff. You have to train them. You have to make them earn it. And I think he's coming along just fine because you know he didn't play a lot. Now there's an injury. Now he's gonna play more, and he's just gonna play more and more and more. I think. To be honest, Noah Dobson was one of the few Islanders who kind of got at least a, a modicum of praise from Barry Trotz off of that game. He he liked Noah's game as much as you can like, you know, yeah. in, in the context of that game. But I thought Noah built upon what he did Monday with, with his performance on Tuesday. Now, obviously, we, we make... A, a big deal of this because hey you know this is this is our lives right but uh you know it's just it's one of 82 games and right. and the the islanders are looking at it really is you know they're in a dog fight with the uh 
with the Penguins for second place in the Metropolitan Division. The, uh, the Penguins have passed them. They're trying to hold off the Hurricanes, who uh, right now hold a, a wild card spot. The Islanders don't want to slip into that. Meanwhile, the Rangers are trying to, to get in, yeah. trying to get into that playoff position. So, you know, here's Josh Bailey talking about just how important not only Ranger games are, but just every game is going to be between now and April. Well, yeah, it's always, I mean, each game as the season goes on gets bigger and bigger. Um, Thursday will be no different. Obviously, we got a chance to, uh, you know, get them back here at home on Thursday, and uh, I think we'll be looking forward to it. It should be a good game. And and following up on, on Josh Bailey is uh, – Defenseman Ryan Pulak, Islanders defenseman Ryan Pulak, who uh, who is basically speaking the same truth that uh, all the players know that that every game is crucial for both teams at this point. Obviously, every game's important. Uh, it's so tight in our division. You you need uh, every points you can get, but uh, obviously not uh, not not playing a great game against them um, last night. We know uh, we got to regroup here and be ready for them uh, Thursday. Now, Colin, I, I know you are covering the Rangers, and you, you and I got hired by Newsday. Uh, I think it was the same, same week, time. yeah. Yep, yep. But but you and I go back way further than that in our various stops. But really, your first NHL experience and, and for a long time was with the Islanders. Well, uh, you know, wasn't the, no, wasn't the first experience. My first experience was covering the Devils over here in, in New Jersey. Okay, um, you know, I had, I had a job with the Asbury Park Press in, in which I covered home games for the Devils, Rangers and Flyers, believe it or not, because you know, the Asbury Park Press is in uh, in central New Jersey and, and, and so there's some flyer, flyer influence down there, so that was my first gig but then my first gig in New York was covering the was covering the Islanders for the Daily News and I did that for, for quite some time and, and uh, you know, I had that 1993 um, uh, spring where the you know, they, they Knocked off the Penguins in the second round, and and, and, uh, and, and that was pretty. pretty and Dale deal. and Dale Hunter knocked yeah. off Pierre Turgeon. Yeah, <laughs> Dale Hunter uh, took out Turgeon, and in the end, in the end, glass. I remember seeing it, and uh, just as he was raising his arms there to celebrate the goal, and uh, you know, it it, it was uh, Hunter got twenty one games for that, and well deserved, I have to say. Uh, so yeah, no, I I I, uh, I I covered the Islanders, and uh, you know, and then after that, they sort of had a little tail off, and then the next year was the was the year when they, you know, they had Hextall on the goal and things didn't go so well and they and they played against the Rangers and and got swept and uh, you know and then kind of things fell off the cliff a little bit you know and the Tommy Soderstrom and Tommy Salo era and you know so Turgeon got traded um, but you know yeah so I, I I do have some history covering the Islanders and uh, you know I actually was. Uh, I was uh, freelancing and I covered the last Islanders game at the Coliseum before they moved to Brooklyn, you know, when they when they lost. Uh, well, actually they won that game. They 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 won that game it was game 6 against the Capitals in the in the in the playoffs and they won that game to stay alive for game 7 and then lost in game 7 in Washington. Um so yeah, no, I've 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 uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with the Islanders uh um, you know, as as you mentioned, and and I, and while I don't follow them every day, I, I I do try and keep up with what's you know what what's going on with them, and and you know they're an interesting team because they are a veteran team, uh, and you wonder just what's the ceiling for that team. I mean, I you know I I, uh, I love Barzal, 
and I think he's he can play with anybody. Um, but so much of their success is is predicated on their structure and their goaltending and their coaching, and um, and you just wonder, you know, like you know, are, is this a team that's you know could surprise anybody in the postseason and things like that? And 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 they are to to some degree for the Rangers anyway, from our perspective, a, a measuring stick team. Like you know, the Rangers go up against a, a team like the Islanders, and and they know, okay, listen, we're in for a hard night, and you know. Monday's game notwithstanding that was that was a little out of nowhere but you know you're gonna have that once in a while well hold that thought because I am a hundred percent sure when we get to uh, Andrew's answers the Twitter Q&A <laughs> we will be asked at some point about the Islanders lack of scoring so we can pick up that conversation there I, I just wanted to get back I mean you, you mentioned that after 93 things really took a downturn yeah. for this franchise yeah, before I, I, I ask you about John Spano and the fish sticks uniform and all that, just who are some of your favorite players from that era? And I know Darius Kasparitis was oh, a yeah. card and just, you know, Tchaikovsky, just who, so, who are some of the players that really stood out to you? Well, Darius was one of my favorites because he just had so much personality and, and he, he just got under the skin of people, uh, you know, so he, he had a particular, um, rivalry with Eric Lindros and you know he would he would and he was so small too he's like a 5'11 guy and Lindros was like 6'5 or 6'6 and so he'd he'd like you know hip check him or something like that and then the Flyers would just lose their minds uh and he would uh you know Darius too would go after he went after a lot of the bigger names so like he, he would go after Mario Lemieux and you know people like that so Darius was good and then Ziggy Ziggy Palfi was uh was was a cool guy like you know he was he was his English was not quite as good as Darius's but it was good enough, and and um, and he was just full of funny stories, and he learned English by watching stupid, uh, you know, slacker movies and things like that. And um, no, Ziggy was always uh, he was always a fun guy, and I always thought actually I felt bad for him because at the time when when Ziggy um, was really coming into his own and making a rise as a player, that was when the Islanders were going the other way, and 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 like it didn't seem like he was surrounded by the talent he deserved to be surrounded by because he was a really really good player surrounded by some guys some you know that that weren't so good and and you know he scored a bunch of goals 40 goals or whatever and it just wasn't wasn't it wasn't moving the needle with them uh but there are other guys too like you know one of my favorite players to talk to was ray ferraro who now is, is doing a wonderful job on on television with tsn um and Derek King was a was a guy, and Steve Thomas, you know, those no, those no, were the guys, yeah. right? So it was a, it was Turgeon and Thomas and, and Derek King um, uh, as the top line for that '93 year, um, and and so those were the guys. I mean, Steve Thomas and, and I really we clicked, you know, we got along quite well. Um, and then the, the one crazy one that that drives me like I, I just can't figure this out it was Travis Green, who was the biggest goofball. <laughs> on the team and at the time is young guy now a well-respected coach and now he's coaching and i just I, I i go to vancouver we were just the rangers were just in vancouver a, a, a couple of weeks ago and it just I, I just shake my head when i see that this and like of all the people on that team he's the last guy that that anyone any one of us would have figured would be a coach so i mean those were some of the guys that 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 uh you know that that played at that time you know marty mckinnis was a guy who had some success you know they had a kid line at the time it was green and mckinnis and uh you know so yeah i mean that it was a fun it was a fun fun group um 
and uh, but but eventually, you know, it it uh, it just deteriorated. You know who played also on that team um, briefly while I was there was Nicholas Anderson, mm-hmm. who ends ends up his son Leah Anderson was drafted by the Rangers, and you know, there's all kinds of. There's all kinds of drama and intrigue with Leas now. I mean, Leas was the seventh pick overall in 2017, and um, things have not necessarily gone so well as could have been expected with Leas. I, I like him, great kid, um, hard worker, um, but hasn't produced enough, hasn't been able to earn ice time. You know, ended up getting sent down to Hartford earlier this year, and then uh, around about the end of uh, maybe last month, sometime, the latter part of last month, decided he'd had enough, and and uh, requested a trade and then left and, and went back home and is now in Sweden. And, and you know, there's a, you know there's some question as to whether the Rangers have mishandled that situation. And, you know, my, my prevailing thought with, with any, any kind of prospect situation, what the Rangers did, you know, they, they went into their rebuild and they, they traded off good players and they got picks and they acquired prospects and stuff. And, and, and I think, you know, if you step back, from a dispassionate sort of uh, big picture idea, not all these prospects are going to make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are going to make it. You hope, you know, and you acquire, you acquire as many as you can and you hope as many as, as, as possible do make it, but they're not all going to make it. And so, you know, I mean, it, I, I would caution any, any hockey fan. I mean, you know, if you, if you look at the Islanders, you know, the Dobson's here, Wallstrom's not here. Um, well, with, with the Islanders, the most direct corollary is probably the the way Josh Hosang has right. been handled and what happened with him earlier this season, and now he's back in the Bridgeport fold. But a, another guy who really didn't help himself with, with you know a trade yeah. request, and 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 that's um, listen to some degree these guys. Well, not to some degree, they they do get frustrated when they don't get what they want or they they don't get what they feel like they deserve. Uh, and sometimes you just gotta tough it out and and um, and, and do the best you can and and, and hope that uh, somebody sees it and somebody knows it, somebody appreciates it, and and you get a chance at some point. Um, now Holsang is is a little older than than Leah Sanderson. Leah Sanderson's twenty one, uh, so he's got a, more of a future. And plus, he's also European. So if it doesn't work out here, you know, he can just go back to Sweden and play over there. Or um, and and play or play in another league, maybe Russia or someplace like that. You know, and Josh Hosang, I don't know. I mean, he's a Canadian guy. I mean, you know, there are Canadians who play in Russia. You can make money over there, but but you know, the dream is to make it here. So right. um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen enough of Josh Hosang to know that I like him as a player. I went down to Hartford, or not to Hartford, excuse me, to to Bridgeport um, and saw him play there, and and was was impressed with with a lot of what he does and so I like anyone else is curious I'm curious to as to you know what more he has to do to to make it at the NHL level but again as I was saying earlier they don't all make it some guys don't and that's just that's just the reality you just try and protect yourself by getting as many quality prospects as you can and 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 you know whichever ones make it make it and whichever ones don't you kind of survive without that. I just wanted to ask you one more thing. I mean, it was documented in Nick Kershaw's book about uh, the Islanders uh, fisherman uh, jersey fiasco, but uh, you actually broke the story that the Islanders were going to switch to those jerseys. And I was just wondering what you remember about that and, and the Islanders' reaction and uh, what what you really think of those uniforms. Well, you know, so that there was a... 
there was a rumor that they were going to switch and they were going to do something about the fisherman jersey and so we were all kind of you know waiting for it to happen and i you know i was fortunate that someone got a hold of the design um and and passed it along to me and i was able to write a story that you know that broke the news that this was actually happening which again we we all knew we had all heard rumors that something was going to happen so i was i was fortunate to get in the paper and you know i talking to the to the owners at the time or the guys who were running the team at the time um, they felt like you know they had been told by the league that they needed to to change up their marketing. Their 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 uh, apparel sales were were at the bottom of the league, and and I just I didn't. I was okay with all that. Mm-hmm. I think most people would have been okay with it, but we didn't. I didn't like the design. Like I didn't like the concept. I didn't like the and and the I didn't. So the. <laughs> There was a there was a product Gorton's Fisherman, yeah. right? So Gorton's Fish Sticks, and they had a Gorton's Fisherman, and the logo that the Islanders came up with, you know, looked you know very much like the Gorton's Fisherman, and then also there were some people that said the guy looked like Stan Fischler in a Gorton's, in a Gorton's Fish. Fisherman uniform. So uh, so yeah, we had some fun with it, um, and, and you know the big thing I remember when when we wrote the story was we just had the logo. We didn't have the whole uniform uh, concept. So, so you didn't know about the waves and no, the multicolor. We, didn't know any of that. we just had the logo. And so what we did, um, or what they did in the office, I had no part of it, was they took the logo and they just kind of superimposed it on a jersey like a Dennis Potvin, you know, like oh, raising boy. his arms, having scored a goal <laughs> or something, you know, in the classic on the jersey. And they took out the, the regular logo and put in that Fisherman logo <laughs> in the middle. And it didn't go over well. They, they took some heat for that. And, yeah. you know, listen... It ended up where I have a fisherman jersey because I we you know our family went to a game um, two seasons ago where they were giving away the fisherman jerseys and a lot of people kind of like the fisherman jersey now like it's kind of like a, a right it's retro era. cool it's retro cool yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and I, I you know it's I I like the jersey I mean I like the jersey fine you know I didn't care for that logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it strikes me uh, when I was at Syracuse my senior year for Halloween, we're going out to the bars and we all dress up. I, I actually dressed up as the Gordon's Fisherman. Nice. Some somewhere I found a yellow <laughs> slicker, and I also had a really tiny little yellow pail that I was holding up. <laughs> I, I didn't know that I was dressing like an Islander at yeah. the time, well, but <laughs> you know. So I remember talking to uh, to them in in the. Uh, you know, talking to the the, the ownership group at the time, they, I, I can't say ownership because they weren't really the owners because mm. um, they were just really the management group. And and their thought was, well, they wanted to have a logo that reflected Long Island. Yeah. And yeah. and so you know they went through a bunch of things nationally and uh, you know t- talked about maybe the lighthouse and all this kind of stuff and and they couldn't figure out well what's the one thing that signifies yeah. Long Island. And I remember, um, you know, like there was some discussion about, well, you know, the the the, the thing was, could we get like a, a lady with a Bloomingdale shopping bag, you know, because like signifying all the malls on I'm like, you know, was, they had they ran through all kinds of crazy, <laughs> stupid stuff and 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 settled on this this, you know, well, you know, it's a seafaring mariner kind of fisherman type thing. And, and, and we were like, OK. And, and I remember that. The thought was one of the one of the man, management group guys suggested like yeah what we really should do instead of being the New York Islanders 
we should be the Long Island somethings. Mm-hmm. You know, and whatever it was, you know, whether it was going to be the Long Island Sharks or the Long Island whatevers. And uh, and that was a fair point. I mean, you know, would have it would have been interesting for the team if it had been instead of being the New York Islanders to be the Long Island somethings, so, you know, like the Long Island Ducks or whatever yeah. it was, which is where, yeah. where where the tradition came from. But obviously, I'm, that wasn't the case. They weren't going to change. I'm and, sure the NHL, the NHL was they didn't yeah. want New York out of the name. So. The NHL would not have gone for that. So yeah, that was that was an off the table. Option. Although, I mean, you, you fast forward twenty twenty five years, and and now you know. It's not the New York Nets; it's the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. you know, and you, and you're seeing these more specific yeah. names, yeah. you know. So you have Anaheim, even, uh, yeah. which is in Anaheim, obviously. But, yeah. But if you look at the baseball team that plays in Anaheim, they call themselves the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, so can, you know, yeah. so I mean, that's yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it would have been nice if it was the Long Island somethings, but. Yeah, New York Islanders has, has made a name for itself and four Stanley Cups and all that and tradition, history, and all that kind of stuff. I think they're doing okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, we're going to get to Andrew's answers, uh, Andrew's and Colin's answers. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> In you... a little bit. But before that, just, uh, you know, the Islanders are not only just playing the Rangers. Like I said, they're in a stretch of 7 of 11 and, uh, you know, really fighting to maintain a playoff spot. And Barry Trotz kind of took a look at the bigger picture, and we'll have some audio on Barry Trotz on that. We always look at the bigger picture, but we've got some, I mean, we've sort of been piecemealing it together for quite a while here, so yeah. uh, it's been, uh, but you know, you know, you, you, you take your segment, I mean, we played well in Boston, we, you know, we went in on, we had a long uh, road trip right after uh, uh, coming off the break, and we played uh, terrible in Chicago right out of the break, and then we we played Minnesota really well. We, you know, we rolled into Washington and won there, and we played good, well against Boston. So we've we've played some pretty good games and some pretty good opponents. And then, obviously, uh, uh, that one last night just stung a little bit more because we were weren't where we needed to be in our game. Our, our start was good, and uh, I thought, uh, you know, that the uh, when they score, you know, the. the, the we took a penalty. They sort of got momentum off that first penalty, and then they, they scored the second goal. And you know, the third one, uh, that one, we went south after that, for sure. Off of that bigger picture, I know you're piecemealing it together, but with seven games in eleven days, do you have to do anything in the game to be aware of that, to manage the minutes a little bit more? Well, yeah, you, you, yes and no. Like yeah. there's certain people I, I'm more conscious of. Um, example, you know the Nick Lettys, the, the the Brock Nelsons, who are sort of on a, you know five on five get a big responsibility, and then they have special team responsibility and stuff like that. So probably more uh, aware of those guys than maybe uh, you know, some other guys are maybe are not on uh, both special teams and uh, as well as uh, you know five on five play. So that was Barry Trotz looking at the bigger picture and how the Islanders have kind of played up and down a little bit and how he's going to handle uh, this stretch of uh, seven games in 11 days. And that brings us to Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And this week, uh, it's not just Andrew's Answers, it's 
Andrews and Collins answers. So, dun 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 dun. It's Andrews and Collins answers. Uh, this is exciting. <laughs> well, I hope you have some answers because, uh, yeah. all right, so two of the guys who ask uh, a lot of questions each week, Old School Mountie and Clarence Screaming Buffalo Swamp Town, and uh, there is a theme here. Uh, uh, so I'm going to let you handle this because I, I'm answering these questions each week. And and obviously, I, I think Old School Mountie got this question in before last night's uh, a two win over the uh, right over the Red Wings, but he says Bailey last scored on December 9th. Well, he, he scored last scored night. Last night right? Beauvillier last scored on December fourteenth. Well, he, he scored, scored last, last night. Uh, Bruce, uh, Derek Brassard last scored on December seventeenth. Well, he didn't he score. Did score. No, no. he. At what point do you sit these guys for a game and try someone else? You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing. And then uh, Clarence S.B. Swamptown says, Bailey has been MIA for two months. Why he hasn't he been a healthy scratch even once? And how is he on line one or two? Um, so I'm going to let you handle most of this because I, 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 I think I've been over this. But let me just say, I mean, if you're going to sit Josh Bailey, Anthony Beauvillier, and Derek Broussard, you don't have enough forwards than to, to form a lineup. So someone's got to play. Honestly, I, I think that really comes down to it, even when these guys are in a drought. And, and Barry Trotz is a coach who really throws a lot of trust on his players uh, once they earn his respect. And he's not going to, you know, just sit a player you know, if he doesn't have a better solution on the bench. And I think that's what it comes down to. But, uh, Colin, I would love to get your input on this. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, everybody, you know, I deal with it, you know, on Twitter all the time with the Rangers fans. They they, they have a lot of the same questions like, you know, why is this guy playing? There has to be somebody on the minor league team that's better than this guy. Well, the reality is probably not. You know, if that guy really was better, he would be here. I mean, um, I just took a look at the AHL standings. Bridgeport Sound Tigers are literally last in their division. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know what their their talent level is there. I, I, you know, I have they do have an all star and Kiefer Bellows, who just seems to get a goal every game or and, had been getting a goal every game. It might be interesting to see if uh, if he could come up and maybe get some ice time. But again, you know, a lot a lot of times with, with those guys, you know, if he's playing first line ice down there. And getting all kinds of opportunities and scoring goals and stuff. You bring him up here, put him on a fourth line, you know, he's he's probably not going to be able to have the same impact. So I I don't know. I mean, like you you just at some point you have to trust the coaches and just say that these guys who are playing are the best guys who are available. It's it's no different, you know. And fans get crazy about this too. Is sometimes when a referee doesn't seem to be making the right calls and stuff. They say, oh, these guys are terrible. Well, if these guys are terrible, they're here. Can you imagine the guys at the minor leagues? Like, how bad those guys must be? You know, so, um, so anyway, like, yeah, you just, at some point you have to, if you trust a coach, and, and, I, and I think if you look at the Islanders record in particular, and since Barry Trotz has gotten there, I would trust Barry Trotz. Right. Pia asks, do you think the Islanders don't want to give Andrew Ladd a shot because they hope that burying him in the minors will get him to retire? Well, uh, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily uh, that they want him to retire. Um, but as far as 
Andrew Ladd being in the AHL, uh, they're certainly saving a lot in daily savings on the salary cap that can be used uh, later on this season elsewhere if they do want to acquire another scorer. So I, I think it has more to do with that. Um, Doc Ad says, I feel like contrived uh, slash set fights like we saw with uh, Ross Johnson and uh, that was uh, Michael Haley, right? Or uh, oh wait, wait, he's he said seventeen and thirty-two. He means Matty Martin fighting uh, uh, Brendan Smith and, and, and Ross, Ross Johnson Ross with Ross Haley in, in the yeah. Rangers game on Monday are kind of dumb. I feel like they're especially silly when we have a lead and are dominating play in the first few minutes. I don't know if fights really change quote unquote momentum, but why not? Why not just not engage? Okay, sorry, I, I stumbled through that. And I, I I will say before handing the mic over to Colin that the Rangers certainly seem to get momentum. So I don't disagree that that was a little bit of a turning point in, in and maybe, you know, uh, you know, Ross is not going to turn down Michael Haley when Michael a- Haley asks him to fight, and and Maddie Martin and and Brendan Smith kind of talked about fighting as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, listen, if you watch hockey long enough, you, you you've certainly seen games uh, where the momentum was was shifted by a fight. Um, I, I don't know that that's necessarily what happened on Monday night, uh, but the Rangers do, or you know, Rangers coach David Quinn did sort of uh give a lot of um you know uh, praise to those two guys uh to to Brendan Smith and to Michael Haley uh and, and he did say that that the, those fights did help the Rangers turn things around they had nothing going up until that point but you know it was 2 minutes into the game so <laughs> i i don't really again i don't i don't know that uh i would put all of that on those fights but it, it does happen at times and it's it's one of those things that's that's part of this game i mean and and you never know and then there's plenty of times when you know, a fight happens and it doesn't change anything. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Look, it's it's just something that happens. I, I can't really explain it, but uh, you know, if it, you know, teams. This is why teams carry guys like that. This is why teams carry Ross Johnson and Michael Haley. Um, you know, I mean, and Ranger fans are frustrated by the fact that Michael Haley's on the roster. But you know, I mean, any small thing that a guy can do to help a team win one game in the course of an 82-game season, you know, uh, adds value. At Dan Dan Noodles 78 um, asks, how does this team expect uh, better to score more when four of their 12 forwards are Matt Martin, Ross Johnson, Michael Dalcall, and Tom Kuhnhockel, and David Horowitz adds adds Leo Komarov to that mix as well. (laughs) And yeah, you know, uh, and I think this has been something since the Islanders did sign... You know, they signed Val Fulpula and they signed Leo Komarov and they brought back Matt Martin. And all of a sudden you have a lot of bottom six forwards and and scoring has been an issue. So I, I, I do think it, it's twofold. I, I think they need to add another scoring wing or a scoring type of forward. And, uh, you know... And the other part is the guys they do have need to score more. But uh, it has been at times a bit of a bottom-heavy lineup. Yeah, and that's what makes them – that's one of the things that makes them different. I mean, you know, again, from watching the Rangers, uh, you know, every night, uh, the Rangers are like 
more like most teams where your you know your top three lines are all it is, and your fourth line gets you know just a handful of minutes. The Islanders are, are a four line team, you know, and so their fourth line can do damage. And no, those guys aren't going to score twenty goals or 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 fifteen goals. But they come up with big goals against other teams' fourth lines, and uh, so you can't. You know, I mean, I would I would take issue with you know complaining about Matt Martin uh, and and people like that. Now Ross Johnson, you know, I mean, the, the game is going soft uh, hands. He's yeah. got he's got soft. They they tried him with Matthew Barzell. They're trying to develop him as, as a, a player as a pseudo kind of Anders Lee Tom Wilson right. knockoff type yeah. of guy yeah I mean and so you, you know if you if you feel like he has that those soft hands um and he can certainly handle the other part of the the game then then that might be a situation where you you can look to develop a guy or, or look to develop you know traits within a guy who might be able to help you later on down the line but at the end of the day, you do still need to score goals. And, you know, if you want to add a score, I, th- I think nobody's going to be complaining about that. Uh, I'm going to read these next two together. And uh, I-, I think they do kind of speak to the sentiment of a, a large part of the Islander fan base. Um, and and we'll kind of dissect why or, you know, why maybe this is... Uh, fair or not fair, but Emboss22 says, explain Lou's reluctance to alter the roster, and in trance we trust asks, uh, I'm sure somewhat tongue-in-cheek, is this a retirement job for Lou? Seems he has packed it in since he lost John Tavares. Now, I would disagree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm around Lou every day, and, uh, you know, I know there's frustration because he stood pat, at the trade deadline, and he basically stood pat over the summer, even though he said he needed more pop. I've said this before. They made a hard run at Artemi Panarin, and that's not packing it in whatsoever. You you know, it's it's not Lou's fault, honestly, that, that Panarin just you know, wanted to be a Ranger so badly. I mean, you know, the the, the plan B, you know. The, the optics aren't great because you go from going after Artemi Panarin to, you know, a month, month and a half later signing Derek Broussard. And I know that's a huge come down for what the expectations were. Um, Lou's reluctance to alter the roster stems, and, and it also goes to Barry Trotz, is that, you know, and we've talked about this, and I know you guys get a little frustrated with it, but there is a chemistry in that room. Uh, it, it served them really well last season as they got to the second round of the playoffs. It served them really, really well the early part of this season as they go on a 15-0-2 run. And it's just now because they've been more of a 500 team pretty much since Thanksgiving that there's a lot of angst as to having to alter this roster. Um as I just mentioned, with Andrew Ladd being in the minors, I, I think the fact that they're accruing salary cap space speaks to the fact that Lou Lamarillo does know that he needs to add to this group and is going to look to do so by the February 24th trade deadline, if not so before. Um, and The other thing is you have to, you know, like, yeah, everybody wants you to you go out and get a big name that's going to chip in 20, 30 goals, but what do you have to give up? I mean, you know, do you, does does anybody want to give up Oliver Wallstrom? Does anybody want to give up you know a, a, a 
a big name prospect. And if you don't have the big name prospects, you, you can't get those. Does anybody want to give up your first round pick or your first round pick and your second round pick? I mean, what do you have to give up to, to get back, um, uh, you know, that scoring help that you need? You know, uh, you know, if you if you're talking about the top top line guys like Chris Kreider is obviously available. Right. And I don't know that the, the Rangers would trade Chris Kreider to you know to the Islanders I'm 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 guessing they probably wouldn't but yeah, but I'm I mean not. like you know <laughs> that, that's a hard no <laughs> yeah yeah but 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 the point is you know a guy like that might be available but he's going to cost more than you want to pay and and so what you have to do in situations like that is you know you got to figure out what you can spend and you go get the best you can get for what you can afford to spend yeah and, and I think you know Lou you know Peugeot is going to be available from the Senators, it seems like. And I think that's a guy that Lou would try and make a good push for. And and a guy that I, I think would fit in well with the Islanders, Tyler Toffoli, from the Kings. And I think that would be a very, you know, relatively affordable in terms of, you know, you're talking about Chris Kreider. Right. I think you can get Tyler Toffoli for, for you know, a, lot less than a second sure. round pick. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and I think... The, the, the Islanders have that draft capital. They have good prospects in the system. I think they can afford a second-round pick and maybe, you know, a mid-level prospect, not an Oliver Wallstrom. No, no. Or, or you, no, know, you, you know. can't give up those guys. I mean, yeah. you, you got to find prospects that are, that are attractive, but not those guys. Right, right. Uh, Thomas Boyle says, do you see all the local teams missing the playoffs? So, <laughs> so let's see. I'm bad at math. That is the glass... Two thirds empty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so obviously the Devils are not going to make playoffs. So you, right, you, you, you scratch that. Them. Yeah, and, and, and um, the Rangers hope to make the playoffs. They're I mean, they're going to have a hard. It's so hard it's, to gain in the standings with three point games. It's hard. It's hard, and and I I just don't know. And there are and a lot of have, teams ahead of them, and they have problems too. And they're not out of the. You know, I mean, what do they do with? They have some restricted free agents or some some unrestricted free agents this summer coming up. Do they keep all these guys and then they have to sign them and they can't sign everybody, or do they move one or two of them? Like you know, they have you know Kreider, you know, is the name that we brought up. I mean, I would think that he's gonna be traded, but you know, you have other you have other guys. You know, you have Jesper Faust, you have Tony D'Angelo, you have guys like that who are gonna be free agents this summer and do you wanna lose them for nothing? Or you know, if you can't afford to re sign them, you, you might have to trade them. So we don't know yet whether the Rangers are gonna be buyers or sellers on February twenty fourth and you know, whether they get in is is still up in the air. But I'm pretty sure the Islands are going to make plays. I, you know what? I, I keep going back to this in the Newsday preview. I pegged the Islanders for second in the Metropolitan Division. I am standing by that. The Islanders, I believe, will be in the playoffs. It's uh, so you're going to get one of three, I believe. Um, Cider says, "Do you think the Islanders will try to get more than one forward at the deadline, or just add one more score?" And I think it depends. You know, it's hard to answer because, you know, I'm not sure what the ask is all around. Um, but I, I think if Lou could add two two players, if it's feasible, I, I, I don't see that, you know, not being a possibility. I think the Islanders could bring in two. Absolutely. I mean, but, but again, it always it comes back to, again, what is the cost? You know, and and uh, you know what can you afford to spend, and and so, 
and, and you're not going to get two frontline guys. You know, maybe you get, you know, maybe you get a guy that can fit in your top six, and maybe you get a third line guy, um, you know, who can chip in and maybe you know move up and down the lineup. So I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. Um, it's just a question of you know there. You know, I don't know what the cap issues are. I haven't studied the Islanders cap, and um, you know, so. I can't. We can't predict at this point that they're going to get two guys or three guys or one guy, but I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. Matt asks. Uh, I'm of the mind that uh, no moves will be made until the off season. With the performance of the team lately, is management feeling more pressure to make a move before the deadline? Will negotiations be fair, uh, or will other teams look to take advantage of our situation? Well, obviously, like every team trying to make a trade, tries to do the best they can for themselves, and you know it's, you know, it, it is, yeah, you know, other teams will try and get the best they can out of the Islanders because they know the Islanders need a score and the ask, the ask will start high though. The ask will be Noah Dobson or an Oliver Wallstrom, you know, will a team settle for a Kiefer Bellows, you know, uh, will the Islanders bring up Kiefer Bellows to showcase him maybe, or maybe is Kiefer Bellows and or Oliver Wallstrom, the scores that the team needs. Uh, this is all going to be, you know, played out as far as pressure, um, you know, I, I don't Lou think... Lou doesn't feel pressure. Lou, Lou doesn't feel pressure. He just... Me and you know Lou a long time. Yeah, that, that, that's the wrong yeah, way to no. characterize what Lou is doing. Lou is very calculating would be a good word, I think. Calculating. Yeah, He's, yeah. You know, I, I know I know you guys, because he hasn't made any moves or, or a little bit down, but I mean... To me, Lou, you know, Lou thinks two steps ahead. Yeah, and and Lou's Lou's philosophy is he's not going to make a move like just to take a on a, a flyer on somebody to make take a chance. Like he's going to make a move if he thinks it really is going to make his team better. Yeah. And, and you know, if he doesn't see that out there, then what's the point of making a move just to make a move? I don't. Lou's not the kind of guy that makes a move just to make a move. If he sees something that's going to make the team better, or he believes is going to make the team better. Then he'll jump on it, but if he if he doesn't see that, he's not going to make a move just to you know just to do something. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jay Mersh says, "Will you be at the game for Butchie's jersey retirement?" Absolutely. I mean, it's you know I'm at every game, so yeah. why why would I skip that no, one? Don't skip that. Uh, one. Yeah, and he says, "If so, how does one get to introduce my son to you as he likes to listen to your podcast with me?" Well, Jay Mersh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I. I I appreciate your son saying that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to give you a definitive answer because my day changes on a, a you know just an hour by hour basis depending on what the workload is. Um, I can be found at times walking around the concourse at the Coliseum, and we can discuss this more at a later date. Martian Monster says. Wondering your thoughts on if bringing up Bellows is a good idea or if he should continue learning and gaining confidence in Bridgeport. We've kind of uh, skirted around this and touched upon it. But uh, you know what? At some point, I, I, I keep saying this, I expect Kiefer Bellows to be here, especially if the Islanders' scoring woes continue. Um, 
But you know what? This is a guy that also, you know, didn't have a great season last year and got off to a slow start this season. So, you know, maybe they do want to, you know, keep the uh, chicken in the oven just a little bit longer until, it, you know, so it's not giving salmonella out to everyone. Um, the other thing is, you know, let's, let's, let's be reasonable about this. Your team's not in desperate straits at this point. I mean, you're still in the top three in the division. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know... There's no, I don't know that there's a rush. I mean, like, why bring him up now? I mean, if you need to bring him up, you can bring him up at any time. Why today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonathan S. <laughs> it's kind of a funny question, and we'll get in and out of this quickly. Just speed round. What is your favorite hotel to stay in? <laughs> <laughs> I, I Favorite hotels, I, I don't, I, yeah, no, I can't. Uh, you know, I, I stayed at the the Marriott in the, in uh, in Vancouver just recently. That was nice. Yeah. Like the we like the Marriott in uh, Montreal, which is walking distance from the arena well, in well, the city. I think the general answer is the closer to the arena, the better the hotel. Yeah. But I do have I I, I love the waterside in Tampa. And I, it's gotten so expensive. I haven't stayed there in a while, right. but I do like the waterside in Tampa. The Delta in Toronto is nice too. Again, mm. you know, it's a walk to the arena, and it's it's a pretty nice hotel. It's a it's a walk to Sky Dome and whatever. It's, it's so I mean, I like those downtown hotels that you know you can walk around to uh, any places. But you know, I've, but the Delta is is pretty nice. I've had nice rooms there, and it's a nice view to look out and, mm. and see the water and see Sky Dome and stuff. I, I got one other one, um, and, and actually two other ones, because I, I, I do like the old-style hotels, so I love the Blackstone in Chicago. No, I'm in there. No, uh, no, I love no. the Blackstone in Chicago, and I like the St. Paul. In, in, I'm staying there. Uh, I'm staying there this 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 season. I didn't stay there last season, yeah, so I'm gonna try that out. Yeah, it was uh, actually on the trip right after Christmas. It was Chicago, Minnesota, and yeah. then Washington. Yeah. So I back to back stays at the Blackstone and, and the, the St. Paul. Paul. Was, that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Envy says, uh, "Nope." Envy is asking another Lou being under greater pressure this year to make a move. Uh, since he was essentially playing with house money last season. Um, it's the same. Lou, it's the same. Lou doesn't Lou, feel pressure. He doesn't, Lou, he doesn't feel that kind Lou of Lou not only doesn't feel pressure, but he goes into every season expecting to win the Stanley Cup. And, and I know you guys can poo-poo that, but that has been Lou's mindset. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, he, he listen, this is a guy who's done it long enough. He's not going to feel... He's not going to feel the pressure to do something uh, and do something desperate. Like, he only does stuff that makes sense to him, period. Uh, let's see. John says, another Bellows question. Are you surprised Bellows has not gotten a look at the NHL level? I am a little bit surprised to this point, but, you know, uh, we, we've been over that. Uh, Lou Islanders Islanders says... Do you think Otto Koivula gets a shot again? And if so, do you think he moves the needle for uh, for the offensive woes? Same for Wallstrom. Now, obviously, Otto played against the Red Wings with Casey Sezikis hurt. We don't know Casey's status uh, for Thursday yeah, night. What's going on with him? Well, he took a puck to a spot that no guy wants yeah, to take a puck to. I and, got you. And that was as uncomfortable moment <laughs> I mean I asked I asked Matty Martin whether everyone oh, on the boy. bench was in pain when they saw that and uh, 
And Matt Martin said, yeah, every guy had that same Ugh. tingle, you know, Yikes. kind of sympathy tingle. All right, all right, all right, enough, enough, enough. <laughs> so enough. We, we don't know if uh, Casey is hoping to play on Thursday. If not, Otto will be back in the lineup. And I think, uh, you know, I spoke to Otto before the Red Wings game, and he said his, his first time up with the Islanders, you know, he felt he played too conservative. He was so afraid of making a mistake. Right. I, I thought he played a much better... And again, I I don't know what to make of the Red Wings game. You know, yeah, the Islanders look good, but the Red Wings were uh, just a, a, a total mess of yeah. a disaster. You, you so. can't make any any judgments based on yeah, that game. But, but Otto is a guy that I, I think does... I mean, I, you love how big he is. Uh, how he can play physical, but how he can also stick handle. I think he's got good on-ice vision. I, I see him definitely as a guy. He's only 21. I definitely see him as a guy who can contribute. Now, you know, you talk about trades. He's another guy that teams are going to be looking at. So right. are you willing to give up Otto in a deal? But And as far as Wallstrom, I, I still think he... Uh, contributes at some point. Uh, he's, you know, he had that World Juniors experience, which didn't go great for Team USA. He's also not putting up numbers in, in, in Right, yeah. But I, I think eventually Ollie, uh, Oliver does get a, a, a another shot here. Kurt Green says, can you see Lou putting together a package to get both Tyler Toffoli, who I mentioned, and uh, Alec Martinez from the Kings. Not really a fan of that, but it does address multiple needs in one move. I'm much more uh, a fan of getting Tyler Toffoli at this point than Alec Martinez. Not really sure how Alec Martinez helps the team. What would be the point of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny Pajamas. Love this guy's uh, handle, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very slick, right? I'm standing here. I'm sitting here in my pajamas, and we're reading a tweet from Johnny Pajamas, so I love it. This is uh, obviously a JT uh, reference. Uh, do you think one of the reasons Artemi Panarin didn't sign in the offseason was because he didn't believe he could thrive as much offensively in the defense-first Barry Trot system? No, absolutely not. Yeah. I think he uh, he wanted to play uh, on Broadway, and uh, and I think that was what was in his mind. And, you know, listen, the Islanders were a better team, and they offered more money, and he chose to come to a rebuilding team that couldn't offer him as much money. Um, he wanted to be with the Rangers, period, done deal. I mean, there was nothing the Islanders could have done, I don't believe. And we'll finish it up with uh, Glenn Thompson says, where did you, uh, where did you, where did my sign-off or the happy hockey sign-off come from? And to be honest with you, I, I forget which episode I started saying that. Um, it just... I just blurted it out one day, but, uh, you know, where it comes from is I love being around hockey. I mean, I've done this a long time. It never gets boring. I love the sport. I love the game. I I like being around the players in the sport, the athletes. I I like talking to the scouts. I love hearing the the, the stories. It, It, you know, to me... Talking hockey is happy hockey. That's where that comes from. But uh, And that is our episode 17 of Newsday's Island Ice podcast. I want to thank Colin Stevenson for the hospitality, yeah. for the glass of water, and, and for the friendship over all the years. The, the 
being a teammate, it's great to do that. And Colin, thanks so much. Hopefully we can do this again next week. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this has been a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed it uh, tremendously. And, and uh, yeah, I'd love to do it again next week. You know, we got got enough Islander Ranger games coming up this week <laughs> that we should have a lot to talk about. All right. I, I am your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Colin Stevenson is at Colin S. Newsday. You can find Island Ice wherever you can find podcasts. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Island Ice. And until then, happy hockey, everybody.